The first presidential primaries are coming up fast. Will Trump dominate the polls that really matter? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday, usually from 3 to 6. Tonight, I'm just on till 6. But we have a lot to cover because the first primaries are coming up fast. Iowa is February 1st. New Hampshire is February 9th. And it moves very quickly after that. March 1st is Super Tuesday. March 15th, where uh, which is the date of the Georgia primary, by the end of March 15th, more than half of the delegates will be gone. So the decision, I probably in every case, is always made by then. It's pretty clear who's going to be the nominee. Even though the convention is until July, you know what's happening. So that means that now is when people's votes really start to gel. The polls that just people calling around, the Rasmussen polls, those kind of polls start to actually predict what's going to happen in the primaries. Whereas like in November, there's historically the person who wins the polls in November are not the people who win the, uh, the primaries in the end. They don't actually get the nomination a lot of times. But now in January, starts to gel February when they get momentum in Iowa, New Hampshire, it really makes a difference. And then Super Tuesday, Mar- and also uh, by the middle of March, it's basically, you know what's going to happen. But this is such an unusual year that for me, I don't know how you feel, and I want to go right to the phones. I want uh, to get to calls right away because we don't have a lot of time. Normally, uh, my show's three hours is an hour and a half. So what I'm talking about is what do you think is going to happen? I mean, this is the last chance to really look at what's unfolding and see where you think it's headed. And I like to do that because if if things are as manipulated as I think they are, you can see this stuff coming. But if they really are just this uh, mood of the voter kind of thing, it's a little harder to predict. So I like to see if I if I can see what's coming. For me, for the longest time, I have seen, I, I've figured that Hillary and Jeb were obviously the anointed ones. They were the ones who were going to go to the end. I figured Jeb and Rubio would be the ticket and they would win. So that was my like super far out there two years in advance prediction. Now, Jeb absolutely appears dead in the water, but why is he still there? I just don't know. I wonder what's going to happen. Will there be some February surprise, some massive uh, uh, attack or event that people look to Jeb as being like the cool-headed statesman and he gets a flood of... Uh, of money, because that's really what would be the difference maker once things start getting underway, when these polls, the polls that count, the actual primaries and caucuses start getting cast. So I, you know, I haven't given up on Jeb yet, but people laugh at me and I'm not going to Vegas and betting my life savings on him winning, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Whereas Trump, if you hear 
that he gets so much news coverage. It's as if he's getting actually free commercials. This guy, uh, the media and the and the establishment act like he's their worst nightmare. Yet they give him all of the attention. It gives him legs in a way that Ron Paul or Rand Paul could never, ever get without the buy in of the establishment, the media, which they're never getting. So is he for real? Are they really secretly wanting him or is he just there to keep this interesting? Or is he is he going for it? Is he really going to make it now is like the turning point. So call me. Tell me what you think. Is Trump for real? Is he really are the polls that count really going to reflect his what seems to be his popularity? 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez show. And if you, I get, my mom's a big Trump fan, which really cracks me up because we grew up, I grew up in New York. She's a New Yorker. We saw Donald Trump's shenanigans for years. And my mother, who's super strict Catholic, never liked it. When he left Ivana, who we liked, you know, they were a nice couple, whatever, like a famous kind of glamorous couple. He left her for Marla Maples. It it was distasteful it was you know yuck my mother was like yeah you know but now she loves him she loves donald trump and i and it just baffles me because he was not somebody who reflected her values but there's something about him that really appeals and and i think it's pretty clearly that he doesn't seem to be controlled he seems to be outside of the mold whereas you look at the other people there's a big debate on Thursday, GOP debate on Fox Business News. You look at all the people on the stage, and so many of them are so clearly tools of the establishment. Rubio, uh, Jeb Bush is a classic establishment family from way back. Kasich, who I, I he appealed to me because of his kind of economics-y uh, positivity. Like, if we just have a free market, we'll have prosperity and we'll be happy. I like that. But he's still a super insider guy. Chris Christie, super insider guy. Ted Cruz, you think he isn't, but he really is. I mean, his wife's affiliation with the Council on Foreign Relations and her recommendation to build a North American community, a North American union, you know, he dismissed that. He he recommends the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership. That guy is establishment all the way, even though he doesn't appear to be. But I... So if you get somebody outside of the establishment, like Ben Carson, Don, and if Donald Trump really is an outsider, which I don't really think he is, but if he were, it would just be a refreshing change of pace. You wouldn't really think he'd be lying to you all the time. I mean, that's the thing. I don't even care so much what they what they what they believe in, but I just am so sick of the lies. And I think that's what people find refreshing about Trump. But I want to know what. You think 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to go to John in Atlanta first. Hey, John, you're on with Monica. Yeah, hey, Monica. What um, do you think? I am shocked, shocked at myself. I find myself supporting Trump. Why? I, well, I, I, think he's the, I think he's the sharpest knife in the drawer. I he's was, sharp, uh, yep. I was really, really, I was really impressed at the, uh, his comments at the last debate about uh, Caterpillar and Komatsu. When, uh, you know, Kasich ended up supporting him. and uh, Yeah, about the know. Chinese trade. And, like, he, he stumbled a little. I thought he was a little shaky, but then he brought it out. I did think he sounded like he had a grasp of the issues. 
yeah, better than Bush, with whom he was disagreeing. I guess Bush and Rubio were on one side of that issue, and uh, Trump and Kasich on the other. And Kasich's point was that, you know, we we lose these trade wars, or these, these people, you know, they, they use regulation and, and their currency to put us out of business, and our people lose their jobs, and it takes us a year to resolve it, and by the time that happens, we've lost the jobs. And, uh, you know, Trump, Trump, he's sometimes not completely articulate, but he gets there. Yeah, he yeah. does seem to have business instincts, and I do think that trade uh, is is an issue that's very difficult for people to understand, especially like in a soundbite. And and now, when to me, a free trade agreement is <laughs> one line. You know, no tariffs or quotas. That's a free trade <laughs> agreement, in my opinion. A thousand pages luck. is not a free trade Good agreement. Luck. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I know. So when they talk about, oh, we need this Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership, it's free trade. It's not free trade. It's the exact opposite of free trade. It's a bunch of rules that control the market, whether you like it or not, whether it benefits you or not. So so I find even just the general defense of free trade to be uh, like a little bit of a fraud when it comes from the establishment types, like Ted yep. Cruz, who defends yep. the TPP. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, I think if if Donald Trump, if the government were a corporation, I think he would probably be the best man for the job. But that tends to lend itself to actually a bigger government than than we're supposed to have or than I want. And of course, that style isn't going to work with people like Paul Ryan, who are just, you know, (laughs) super slick. I don't know. I think. um... Like I said, I think he's the sharpest knife in the drawer. I don't yeah. think he's an ideological person. I think his you instincts do are sound. or do not. Pardon me. You do or do not think he's ideological. I, I do not. Right, I agree with that. I think he's a really smart man, and uh, and I think he he wants to he wants to do right. Well, I found it very convincing when he said that he would give up, not even look at his company, and do what's best for this country. I actually did get the feeling that he loves this country and that he would like what's best for it. Um, but I I don't know. Maybe he was caught by surprise as to how popular he really is. But I just, I don't know if he could, uh, he's so polarizing. I don't know if he could win in general or if he could actually implement his good ideas to the extent he has good ideas. Some stuff I don't agree with, but uh, it's it's curious. I'm going to Mark in Douglasville. Hi, Mark. You're on with Monica. Um, Monica, I'm a Ron Paul libertarian. I've been a libertarian for about 30 years. And uh, I'm convinced that uh, Donald Trump would be uh, the best because early on, this has been back last summer, he stated just what you sort of stated, that he, what, his empire is worth nothing without a country. So that, yeah. that's what convinced me. He seems very genuine. Here's the thing about the elite that I, it's taken me, you know, my life to this point to really understand it. I went to Harvard, I went to Stanford, I went out with a guy who was a billionaire. My dad was a truck driver. I dropped out of high school. I went to community college before I went to Harvard. So I saw both sides. And what I have finally concluded is that the elite, I'm not talking about Donald Trump specifically. I'm just saying there is this thing where they really truly believe that they and their descendants forever will be above the fray. So they 
feel like there's an us versus them. They think of it that way, that that the people at the bottom are never going to touch them, that it's not a future for their children, that as long as they can keep the elite elite, their children will be safe, which I think is absolute lunacy. But they they do think that. And that's why sometimes, you know, you would think it would be obvious that the elite would want to preserve this great country, but they've become this international elite and they don't care about us. Right. That, that all started back uh, in the early uh, 1900s with yep. Woodrow Wilson's administration. Yes. So, uh, yes. We're, current- we're, yeah. we're at the maturity of it right now, I guess. So. Yeah, well, Colonel House was a not real colonel who manipulated Wilson. But um, Mark brings up a point that I that is interesting to me. He said he was a Ron Paul libertarian, and Ron Paul tapped into this disgruntlement that the right had that that people who were fiscal conservatives, civil libertarians, that kind of thing, individualists that people had with the Republican Party. And I think that it threw the establishment for a loop. And the result was it really, it got them on their heels. I remember when Ron Paul won 40% of the primary vote in Virginia against Romney, who got 60%. I I remember thinking that was significant. They're really ignoring it, but it must be scaring them. It did scare them. And I feel like Trump is a way, if you want to be really cynical a way to corral the individualists who are very hard to corral away from someone like Rand Paul, who always uses the Bill of Rights as a touchstone. The Bill of Rights controls government. And when Trump moves away from the Bill of Rights, says we have to just be practical, I get a little nervous about that because that really is not the American way. So this causes uh, my opinions on this cause a lot of controversy because people are scared they think that these issues need to be addressed with an iron fist but there's no time for principles but i thought of that when the iraq war started i was like there's no time for these pie in the sky principles you know hussein's the next hitler well that really wasn't we should have stuck to our principles then and i think we need somebody like Rand paul on that debate stage to remind us of what our principles are but he got booted i'll tell you my thoughts about that and tell you who i think won the debate or how I think the different guys did, how it changed my opinion of some and not others. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Maybe something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 53 degrees outside the studio right now. Overnight low of 37 with a chance of light rain or even flurries. Weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We're talking about the GOP contest. There was a debate on Thursday. If uh, I, I covered the post-debate show on WSB, and I caused some controversy, I think, because I don't get my facts from Marco Rubio, who I really feel like is reading a uh, tear sheet handed out by the military-industrial complex. Not that he cares. He might not know. I don't think he cares. He's just in it to win it. But uh, so if you want to hear the podcast for that, I should have that up uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. Um, but I still want to talk about this. I, we're in the home stretch. The Iowa caucus is February 1st. New Hampshire is February 9th. I mean, if if Trump, if the polls are real, Trump is absolutely 
on top. But I want to hear what you have to say. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Brandon and Marietta. Hi, Brandon. You're on with Monica. Yeah, how you doing, Monica? Good. Yeah, I got a serious problem with Trump and all the rest of the presidential candidates. First of all, we got a 19, we got a 19, almost a 20, 20 trillion dollar federal debt. Crazy. We got, we got a Social Security, which is bankrupt, and so is Medicaid and Medicare, with about a hundred and fifty trillion dollar debt deficit. Then we owe China, China about two trillion. We got a half a deal, half a trillion dollar trade deficit. Okay, we have no money at all. We're completely bankrupt and broke. Brandon, I have to interrupt you. I, I want to talk to you, but let me just point out. You pointed out a twenty trillion dollar debt for a country that is the most productive country in the history of humanity mm-hmm. and supposedly the freest country that ever existed, the American experiment. What could possibly explain that except for treason? That's true. And, yeah. they've, been, and they've been stealing money out of the Social Security Trust Fund since FDR, when she was established back in 1935. I didn't know it went that far back, but I know that it's full of IOUs and... Yeah. Uh, you know, but why? Why? Why do we have to? We are so productive. We have an ever-growing population. There is never any reason for us to have any debt at all. I mean, we could even have a war chest and not even have debt in wartime. I agree. And you know, the sad thing is that Donald Trump's, Donald Trump's running around the country talking about he's going to make America great again, but he's not talking about solving any of our problems. He's doing the same exact thing Barack Obama did, talking about change, change, change. He started talking about none of our catastrophic, horrifying problems. Donald Trump is a crook, and he's and he's and he's and he's evil, and, and so is all the rest of the presidential candidates. They're not telling the American people the truth, and the American people don't want the truth. They want what, to be ignorant. What uh, I noticed about the the debate, not this one, but the last one, Rand Paul, they were all talking about national security and everything, and he threw that thing out there about the debt. He said the mo- the best thing we could do for national security is get a grip on our debt and and he was gone the next debate i mean they said it was because of the polls they he didn't squeak in but they made an exception for carly fiorina on cnn to get her in even though her poll numbers weren't quite right at that moment and i felt like maybe what did him in was pointing the finger at the debt he told us he, he he told the truth and you know the sad thing is the american people don't want the truth they love lies they love being ignorant but the day of consequences, it's coming. It's not everybody loves the lies, though. I mean, I think that I used to not be able, I can, still can hardly watch the speeches politicians make because of the lies. Like, it makes my blood run cold. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but it's so hard to get a grip on the truth because you're working like a dog. It's so, everything is so expensive because of the inefficiency of basically a government that spends half the money. If you look at the taxes and the spending, they take half the money, just suck it right out of the system. And what are we doing? We're, we're scrambling to get to work, to pay our bills, and, and you try to read the news, whatever, just so you can be smart enough to vote. But you want you want the truth. But who has the time to really break through this media stranglehold on the narrative? But but look at the media. Though. Look at the questions that they ask. The things that I just told you, the media didn't ask the, none of those presidential candidates any of those things. What are you going to do about Social Security, Medicaid, Medicaid bankrupt? What are you going to do about What are you going to do about the, the, the twenty trillion dollar jet? What are you going to do about the half a trillion dollar trader? What are you going to do about this? They didn't ask them any of those questions. You and, see? So and, they're corrupt as well. I, I was really surprised when they were talking to Ted Cruz about his Goldman Sachs loan 
And he laughed, shrugged it off, whatever. Um, there was this thing like he didn't disclose this loan properly. And I thought the follow-up question would have been, uh, you know, he made it sound like we put up our own assets. It was such a struggle, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, his wife was a managing director at Goldman Sachs at the time, and he's getting tens of millions of dollars from big money. And I would have thought they any normal, uh, uh, real journalistic process would have pressed him on that you know is there an inside track here how are people supposed to think that you're going to rise above that uh, you know i'm not getting it and a lot of people don't realize too final point a lot of people don't realize about donald trump donald trump has bought politicians his whole life that's how he's made his billions of dollars buying politicians he's, he's bragged about that He's giving he's giving money to not only just the presidential candidates, he's also giving to Democratic candidates. He he gave money to Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama he voted for. Yeah, he and he brags about it. I'm not super down on Trump. I'm not uh you know, I don't feel passionately, you know, name calling about Trump. I just think that he's siphoning off uh what was a very principled Ron Paul liberty movement. Lots more to talk about. Hang on, Rick, Randy Robert. Uh, This is Monica Perez.